Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Leviticus 23, verse 23, preaching a message entitled The Mysteries of the Feast of Tabernacles. And it is the final message in a series called Seasons. Leviticus 23, verse 33. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacles begins and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly, do no regular work. And for seven days, present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present food offerings to the Lord. It is a it is the closing special assembly, do no regular work. Verse 37, these are the Lord's appointed festivals which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord. The burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifice and drink offerings required each day. I'm gonna move on and go to John 7 now, please. John 7, verse 37. Reading from the New International Version, John 7, verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John 8 and verse 12 now. When Jesus spoke again, he said to the people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the final scripture, Deuteronomy 16, 16, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord, your God, at the place you'll choose the festival of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks, and the feast of tabernacles. No one should appear before me empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion the way the Lord has blessed you. Wow, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you've done already in this service and what you'll do now. Would you lift your voice and ask God to talk to you today? God, speak to us. Come on, go ahead and ask God to speak to you. Maybe lay hands on your heart. Come on, in, in, in Eagle River, ask God to speak to you today. We're not here for some lecture. We're not here for, for, for simply some intellectual understanding. It's impartation and truth that will transform us, even revelation that'll bring a revolution in our hearts, in our community, in our nation, and in the nations of the world. Holy Spirit, come, speak, move, touch, have your will, have your way. May the effects of this service be far-reaching even to eternity in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. We've been in a series called Seasons and Eagle River joining us for the, I believe, the first time in this series, but uh, this is the final message. So just in quick review, God has seasons. He has these appointed feasts. And it has been always been confusing for me uh, to understand all the feasts. There's three pilgrim feasts, but then there's high holidays. And it's confusing because all of the feasts have like four names. And then there's Hebrew names. And it's just a little confusing to understand which feast is which. And, 
And then I've had well-meaning people over the years say, Pastor, these are appointed feasts uh, for now and to eternity. We need to celebrate them and we need to honor them. And uh, I had other people say, no, we're New Testament believers. You don't have to celebrate the feast. And so uh, as I took a look at it myself over the years, I came with great liberty to understand the Jerusalem, the Council of Jerusalem in 49 AD. Because this argument is not a new argument. It was an argument that Paul battled with. And he, they straightened it out in the Jerusalem Council of 49 AD. And if, you're not, if you were not here or didn't hear the messages from the previous weeks, just go back and get last week's message because it'll set you free from having to be under the bondage of, of following specific laws, regulations. There are some people that just want to be in bondage. I don't know why that is. It's sort of human nature. It's part of the flesh, I think. There is religion and tradition that can be a stench in the nostrils of God. That's not what we want to be. We want to worship God in the spirit and in truth. Can you say yes? And so the Jerusalem Council of 49 AD, you can read that in Acts 15. That is, it, it talks about the whole Jerusalem Council. So the, what the council decided in the Jerusalem Council, is, why is that significant for me? Because it'll eliminate the bondage of having to keep the feast. But you don't want to lose the significance of the feast, which I'm endeavoring to do. To bring New Testament reality to these feasts that are types and shadows. And so the Jerusalem Council decided that Gentile converts, which are most of us, there are, of course, uh, those who were Jews that were converted even here in this place, and, uh, and we're very grateful for that. The council decided that you, circum you didn't need to circumcise males. You don't need to have special feasts. They decided you don't have to do anything the law does except three things they, they had to be consistent in the Gentile church. Well, in order to be saved, you had to believe on the Lord Jesus. That's it, is believing on Christ. Believe that he died on a cross, rose again from the grave. That, that, that's it. But there's three other things that you cannot do, Gentile or Jew. One, no eating, no drinking blood. Everybody say, no drinking blood. Okay, yes, no drink blood. All right, no eating blood. That means if you're, if you're particular culture that eats blood sausage and stuff, yeah, that's out. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and you can do a whole study on blood, which I've done here before, and why the blood of Jesus cleanses from sin. The life of the blood is in the animal. You don't drink blood. Everybody say, don't drink blood. Okay, and no, don't drink blood. Don't eat blood. It goes on to say that there's no fornication. Okay, so you, you cannot commit sexual, uh, sexual sin. Don't do it. Fornication is sex outside of marriage. Now, of course, there's no adultery either, which is... Uh, marital affair and sex outside of your marriage covenant. That's also sin, of course, but there's no fornication. And then the third thing, these are the, this is the Jerusalem Council, no idolatry. Come on, somebody say, don't be an idolater. All right. It's also called the Jerusalem Quadrangle, the Apostolic Decree. There's a number of different, number of different things um, that it's called. But thank God, go to Colossians as we're in introduction here. In Colossians chapter 2, in uh, the King James Version, I just like the way it reads, verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or with respect to a holiday or a festival or a new moon or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. In other words, 
there are really forces at work to try to get you in bondage to have to obey these festivals. But they are very important, so don't, don't throw them all, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Everybody, anybody ever heard that expression? They are important, and they're incredibly profound, as we're about to find out, as we've been studying, as we've studied these different pilgrim uh, feasts, and the last one is tabernacles, and it's profound today because today is the last day of the great Feast of Tabernacles, the very day that Jesus preached his illustrated sermon in John 7. So it is kind of fascinating, and we never want to miss the significance of Old Testament reality bringing New Testament revelation. It all ties together. Somebody said, I'm not into the Old Testament. You are being sorely ripped off. If you study the, you don't understand the Old Testament, you'll never really understand the new, and it all works together. We're not Old Testament believers, we're New Testament believers, but the types and shadows, as I've said so many times before, the Old Testament is a picture book of New Testament reality. And when you see the picture developed, it's uh, profound. On to this text now. The Feast of Tabernacles is a tremendous time of celebration. Let me ask you, what causes you to rejoice and celebrate? <laughs> There's many things that cause me to rejoice and celebrate. Answered prayer is a big one. When I see God do miracles, I rejoice and celebrate. His presence makes me rejoice and celebrate. Um, money for some people makes them rejoice. Come on, it's nice to get money. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, you're too holy for that. Come on, it's okay to rejoice. You guys, woohoo, I got a check. Hallelujah, God's providing for you. Come on, somebody say, I got a raise. Yeah, you got a raise. Or restored relationships. Or, I mean, you just can fit all kinds of things in there. What would cause you, to, what would cause you right now to get up and start dancing around? I mean, if you had something happen that would be so, like, amazing that you just couldn't help yourself. Okay, I've, ha I've had it happen many times, and I know that there's a, there's a whole bunch of times to come. I remember we were, <laughs> I don't I've done it so many times over our building project, uh, but, you know, receiving a phone call that the breakthroughs come, the financing came, the different thing, and I would just be like, yes! I just walk around airport, wherever I am. I'm like, hallelujah! What causes you to rejoice? God wants us to rejoice. He wants us to celebrate, over, especially over the things that he's done. I'm writing the notes. Especially the things that he's done for us. And the Feast of Tabernacles is all about that. It's all about what God has done. A celebration would take place in the Jewish New Year. Five days later was the Day of Atonement, which I preached on last week. And this one is the, the Feast of Ingathering or uh, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. There's a lot of different names for you note-takers. Exodus 23, 16, you can look at. The Jews were commanded to be joyful. Come on, the Apostle Paul, some of you, some of you can just be like, some of you. I think we can all sometimes just be sad sacks. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, just like, my gosh, you were going to hell. I mean, like, seriously, put a smile on your face. What's your problem? Because we could just lose track of things. They were commanded, rejoice in the Lord always. Re rejoice in the Lord always. My, my gosh. Again, I say rejoice. Why would he say that? Because we have a tendency to be like Eeyore. Oh, oh. <laughs> They were commanded to be joyful at the feast. So even if they didn't feel like it, it's a command. You'll find that in Deuteronomy and in other places. 
And so they're supposed to rejoice. It's a giant party in Jerusalem and, and Israel. And what you need to know tonight, I mean right now, in Israel, I mean I think they're concluding they're ahead of us, but they've been in these booths, the feast of the booths. It's, it's, it's a time of celebration of God's provision when they came through the wilderness and they've been camping out on their rooftops. You can get one of these booths on Amazon. I know some of you think I'm... How many of you looked it up since I said that? No one. Okay, very good. You can go to Amazon and look up Tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacles booth, and it'll bring you up like this nylon booth that you can erect and live in. And they live in them as a reminder that they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Wow. Feast of booths, it's also called. They lived in booths as they made, and they, and they made out these palm trees and willows and leafy branches as a reminder how God provided for them. And you can get really into it and study it. So somebody said, well, pastor, shouldn't we have leafy branches? You can, but you can wave leafy branches all you want. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're still going to split hell wide open, no matter what kind of branch you're waving, no matter what kind of horn you're blowing. It's Christ. It's Jesus. Come on, somebody say it's Jesus. The Feast of Tabernacles is tied to a seven-year debt cancellation and freedom from slavery. I don't know if you remember what it was like being a slave to sin. I do. I'm so grateful that I am no longer that. Feast of Tabernacles is celebrated during the millennial reign. You can read in Ezekiel 14, trying to cover a lot. You can go so deep in this stuff that you drown. My job is to give you enough depth but also to have, there's a deep end of the pool and a shallow end of the pool. We're going to definitely get some to the deep end, but you know, you can go so deep you drown. We don't want to drown, but I want to give you some mystery and revelation that's really touched and, and moved me. So write a look at the texts, plural, Deuteronomy 16, don't come before me empty handed. So the Feast of Tabernacles, special time of giving. And we've done that over the past two weeks. And we've taken a special offering towards our building project in Eagle River called the Daily Seed and just moving the vision forward. And we're grateful for all those it gave. So they would do that at these three festivals. In John 7 and 37, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. He's there. He's in Jerusalem. In fact, John 7 verse 1, it was nearing the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, you can read. And so now it's the last day of the great feast. And we read that. And he's there and Jesus fulfills the Feast of Tabernacles by redefining what's called the water offering. Now, I've just never heard this. I referenced it a few years ago, but I've, I've never heard this taught. I, for whatever reason, it's, it's just, you know, I just say, oh yeah, he's a living water. Oh yeah, out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. But I didn't really understand the context tied to the Feast of Tabernacles. It's profound. It really is. So on each of these seven days, what would happen is a priest would go, a priest would go down, each day of the festival, a priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam. Now, they didn't even know where the Pool of Siloam was until about 10 years ago. They found it. And uh, I don't really know all the significance of it, but when we started our building project, my wife and I went to Israel seven years ago. That's when we started we're finishing, and I'm going to Israel again in November, and while I'm there, the building will be done, and we will, we will move in by the grace of God, pending our CEO. Amen. So that should give you a little indication of how to pray. We could pray or get our certificate of occupancy. Can you say amen? 
So I just think it's profound that we started when we were in Israel and we're finishing and I happen to be, we didn't plan it that way. It's a, it's a supernatural thing that's taken place. Each day of this feast of festival, the priest would go down to the pool of Siloam and we were there. We stood there. And you can read the different references to the pool, pool of Siloam. Each day they would go down with this golden pitcher and pick up water and a, a whole pitcher of water and bring it up and pour it out, the priest would carry it back to the, through the water gate. Not, not, not from the 70s. Yeah. They would carry it through the water gate and they would recite Isaiah 12 and verse 3. Listen to what this says. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from wells of salvation. And I think it also ties to King David being, you know, getting water from the well of Bethlehem. And there's, there's so much symbol, symbolism here. It really is rather profound. And uh, so Jesus is there and he, he declares, I'm the living water. Another thing that would happen, you can read the Psalms. Now, when you study Psalms, uh, a Treasury of David is a, is a beautiful book to get in your library to study about Scripture and how things tie together. But Psalm 113 through Psalm 118 all tie to the Feast of Tabernacles and this moment that's taking place. And so you can go and read those. It's, uh, I read them this morning. I found myself weeping at the goodness of God. And this ceremony, this water offering, water ceremony developed uh, and um, began to carry some other symbolism regarding the harvest. And it comes from uh, Zechariah 14. Let me, let me read it to you, verse 16. Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, Lord Almighty, celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles. This is referring to the millennial reign. And all the people of the earth who do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, Lord, Lord Almighty, will have no reign. If you have no rain and you're a farmer, that's a huge problem. So what they began to do is this developed, is that they would bring this water offering and they'd, they would recite Isaiah 12. This is the deep part. It's going to get a little deeper. Don't worry. I'll, I'll bring it back. They'd recite Isaiah 12, three out of wells of salvation. And, and they would then pour it out and pray for rain. It was, you know, unusual. So, so understand what's happening. So they're in the midst of this celebration. They're bringing up this water. They did it for seven days. And, and Jesus is there. And he says to them out loud, the last day of the feast, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. I mean, it is the most powerful illustrated sermon with the one who actually wrote the scriptures. God in flesh, Emmanuel, fully man, fully God, Jesus standing there. They're celebrating this festival. They're bringing up the water and he says, by the way, all that is talking about me. And if you'll drink from me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water and you will no longer thirst. It is the most profound illustrated sermon. Can you imagine being there? My God. Come on, somebody ought to say praise the Lord. It is truly awesome to think of it. And so we see Jesus 
calls to all those who are thirsty spiritually, for he alone is the one that can satisfy. I've certainly discovered that. And if you haven't discovered that yet, religion will keep you dry and dead. Oh, but Jesus will satisfy your thirsty soul. He promises to all those who believe in him streams of living water. I can't help but think about John 4 where he says to the woman at the well that I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. He refers to Isaiah 58, 11 and says the Lord will always guide you. Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you always and will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. I think we ought to say that and make, it, make that affirmation. The Lord will always guide me and he will satisfy my needs in a sun-scorched land. Come on, say that. The Lord will always guide me and satisfy my needs in a sun-scorched land. See, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. I mean, it matters. We're invading the culture. We're going to reach the laws, but don't ever yield to fear. He's always going to satisfy you no matter how sun-scorched it is out there. The scorched earth plan, no matter what happens, God will meet your needs. Come on, somebody say, God's going to meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. Yeah. You'll be like a well-watered garden. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, you look like a well-watered garden. Got to be careful who you're talking to. Some of you might not want to do that. Come on in Eagle River. You look like a well-watered garden. Hallelujah. He refers to Ezekiel 47, very possibly the river that flows from the temple, a picture of the Holy Spirit. And also in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, let me read it to you. And drink that same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. That rock was Christ. Jesus is the rock, prophetically, in fulfillment, the rock that water flowed from in the wilderness. All right, and then go to John 8. And this is it. So that's the first part of the illustrated sermon on the Feast of Tabernacles. All of the feasts are fulfilled in Christ. Say that. All of the feasts are fulfilled in Christ. Pesach or Passover is where he was crucified and when he rose again. Passover. Pentecost is when the outpouring of the Spirit took place. All of the feasts are fulfilled in the New Testament. And it's important to note that. John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people and said, I am the light of the world. Oh my gosh, this is, oh, I love this part. Man, it's so good. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What most people don't know, but if you study this, there are four great candelabras lit on the Feast of Tabernacles. And these candelabras are said to be 75 feet high. That's high. Our building is not 75 feet high. It's 50. So it, you drive by our building and look at that, the very tip top of the roof line over the, over the lobby, 50 feet. So go another 20, another 25 feet above that. That's how high they were. We're talking massive. And they're like, it's like a giant lamp and they were lit. Come on, somebody say lit. And there was four of them, and they lit up the whole city. So when Jesus is there, and there's all these, these candelabras that be lit every night, and he says, yeah, actually, I am the light of the world. It's this most profound illustration. It really is. And those that knew Scripture understood what he was saying. Wow. 
For those of you that are interested, this ceremony, this illumination of the temple is called. It's this ritual of lighting the four golden oil-fed lamps. Golden oil, did you hear that? Golden oil-fed lamps. I believe it's from Zechariah. The lamps were huge menorahs. And uh, they were lit at night to remind the people of the pillar of fire. Guided Israel in the wilderness journey. That was the purpose of it. Very creative. All night long, they would light and shine their, their brilliance. It was lit in the, in the court of the women is where it was. Fantastic. Isn't that something? Light is tied to God. God is light. God is love. Light is tied to God. It's amazing they have all kinds of light therapy now. And, um, and somebody have, some of you, I won't ask you to raise your hand. You've got sad lights or whatever they're called. Whatever, happy lights. I don't know. Isaiah 60, verse 19. The sun will no more, no more be your light by day, nor will brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. The Lord will be your glory. First, uh, pardon me, John chapter 1. Come on, can I get an amen? amen? Can I get an amen in Eagle River? Amen. I, can I hear you? I can't hear you. Go ahead. Eagle River. That's better. Praise God. John 1 and verse 1. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5. That's verse 4. John 1 and 4. John 1 and 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Come on, he's... The true light, it says in verse 9, that gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, and they still don't recognize him. But he's the light of life. And if you don't have him in your life, then you have darkness in your life. You must receive the King of kings, the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus, and he will bring light into your weary, dark heart. And he's the light of the world. In 1 John 1 and 5, this message we've heard from him and declared to you, God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. Oh, I'm going to have to read verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. And the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Can somebody say Amen. Jesus is the light revealing God to all of mankind, fallen mankind. Jesus is the light which gives mankind new life. Or another way to say that is salvation. And you got to follow after Jesus. you got to follow after Jesus, giving ourselves completely to him. So as we take a look at what God's speaking to us today on this final message of the series of seasons, one, understand that there's times of giving, and we've emphasized that over the past two weeks, and not going to emphasize it so much, but it is something that happened. It's, it's really an interesting thing. It's a, a special offering was taken. It was a declaration of faith that God's going to prosper them. You know, God is not into poverty. Did you know that? Poverty is not from God. And you can't read the scripture. You read the scriptures. Somebody said, are you guys a prosperity gospel? Is there anything else? Well, not, certainly not into the poverty, die, go to hell gospel. Now, it's overemphasized, certainly. 
It is overemphasized and it has been abused, but God is a God who blesses. Blessing and prosperity and increase. He gives you the land. He provides for you. He sets a table before you in the presence of your... What, he, he sets a table and there's nothing on it? No, he said, come on, his streets are paved with gold. You change the way you think. Get rid of that, that, that stinking thinking, that poverty mentality. This act of thanksgiving to God was intervened over and over and over again. And that's what the celebration is about. Man, you provided for us in the wilderness, Lord. You provided for us in the wilderness. They slept in booths to remind themselves, man, for 40 years, God provided for them in the wilderness. And it's looking forward to a time when debt, debt, being debt free and, and out of every bondage. And that God will break a spirit of poverty off of their lives, off of our lives. Listen, poverty is not from God. And, and if you have that in your, like if you're irritated right now, I'm just going to help you. In Eagle River, trying to help somebody here in Wasilla, wherever you are. Real success is having what God says you can have, being what God says you can do, and, 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 and living the way God says you can live. That's real success. Poverty's not having, wealth is not having a large bank account. There's people that have endless amounts of money and are broke. They're filled with, with anger, rage, bitterness. That's not, that's not blessing. That's not, that's not prosperity. Prosperity is having what you need when you need it. And that can be a handful of rice. Hello. Come on. Got Indonesia on the line. They were telling me when they tithe. He said, Pastor, when they tithe, they'll come and give a handful of rice. Isn't that awesome? That's an awesome thing. The American gospel has been so perverted. But it really has. I remember a pastor years ago. Went off to, he was from Texas, as I recall. No offense, I love Texans. Love, I love the U.S. Well, he's from Texas. He went to India in just tremendous poverty. And the pastor said to the Indian pastor there, we're going to pray for you in your, your poverty. And the Indian pastor said, we're going to pray for you in your prosperity. Because they had something that that Texas pastor didn't have. It's called Faith. And, 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 and joy. It's not that he didn't have faith, of course, but there was something, there's something when you're, when you're really close to the Lord that the money can't give you that. Money, money can't, money, listen, you have all the money in the world and have all kinds of torment. Do you think that's the blessing of God? That's not the blessing of God. My, my, my. There is a spirit of poverty that needs to be broken off. We celebrate the Holy Spirit transforming us and empowering us. That's this, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Worship team, please. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. I'm gonna say, let's, can we do that? Spring up a well, it just seems to work. Out of your belly will flow rivers. We celebrate the Holy Spirit transforming us. Has there anybody been transformed? I've, I've said this before, but my, my brother who gave his heart to Jesus just a few years ago, I asked him, so uh, did you think I'd end up being a pastor? You know, He said, what? No. He said, no, you were, you were insecure. You you were messed up, man. It's like, no, you're nothing like anything I'd imagined. I'm like, wow, okay. I look and, and you know, Pastor Karen and I have been married 25 years now uh, in December. 
on a particular day in December that's written on the inside of my wedding band. And sometimes I can remember it, sometimes I can't. And I, I, I look at, I look at my, my beautiful wife and I, I, I've watched God transform you. I've watched God just change you. You were unsure of yourself. You've always been gorgeous and pretty. But God's transformed you. Amazing. You know, that's what God, that's what God does. I said, that's what God does. He'll transform you. We celebrate that. Come on, somebody say, I got, I got living water that can transform me. And he empowers us to do the works of Jesus in the world. He empowers us to do the works of Jesus. Come on, somebody say, I'm, I'm called to do the works of Jesus. Come on, come on, don't watch TV in Eagle River. Come on, say, I'm called. I'm called to do the works of Jesus. Yeah, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you to do it. This is what the Feast of Tabernacles is really all about. And to personally refresh us, allowing us to refresh others. You have on the inside of you that you're, you know the Lord, you're filled with the Spirit. You have on the inside of you a dynamo, a, a, like a generator that should just fire up and bring you encouragement. Any, some, some of you don't know how to access that. I'm just going to say that I've lived long enough, seen enough, heard from those that are older and those that are younger, and I've lived a, a fair amount of time now. There's nothing that can stop me. There's nothing that can stop you. No death, no sickness, no infirmity. You say, well, what if you die? Bonus, go straight to heaven. So I'm not gonna yield to fear. I'm gonna, and there's times of great sorrow. There is. But even though weeping might endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. And yes, you grieve and there's sad things and we, 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 we travail at times, but God is the one who will refresh you. Years ago, I come into a, and I don't know if I had a sad face or I don't know what my, I don't know what was going on, but I was, it's a staff prayer on a Sunday morning at like three in the morning. I don't know what time it was, Pastor Kirsten. Pastor Kirsten and I served on the same staff for, I don't know, a long time, 25 plus years. If you want the exact date, talk to Pastor Karen. So I walk in. I'll never forget it. We still, we still do it to each other every so often. I'm standing there minding my own business and he slaps the back of my arm and says, refreshing! And he just slaps the back of my arm like, oh, a stinger. You know, we wore short sleeve shirts. It was white. I just remember it stinging the inside of my arm and we laughed and occasionally we slap each other and say, be refreshed, you know, Jesus thing. Don't try that. That's not the new church greeting. <laughs> but it's a reminder that you can be refreshed no matter what you're going through. Come on, I can, can, I can hook my battery cables up to, to the heavenly power, to the refreshing that comes from the throne of God. Come on, I can make it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna overcome. Come on, somebody say, he's with me. 
Come on, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I mean, I got dozens and dozens of scriptures. You have a well on the inside of you. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Now, if you don't know Jesus, won't you give your life to him? Won't you do it right now? In Eagle River, online, in Indonesia, and Kentucky, wherever you are all across this world, I'm gonna give your life to Christ for the first time. He's the light of the world. He will bring light into your life. He'll bring refreshing into your life. He will help you. He's the fulfillment of all of the tabernacle feasts. It's a beautiful thing. You say, that's me. I've never given my life to Jesus. Well, do it today. Or maybe you gave your life to Christ, but you know that you're not walking with him. You want to recommit your life to him all across this place? Right now, if that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you want to make a recommitment to him, you say, that's me, Pastor. On the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Unashamedly lift your hand. God bless you, son. God bless you. Online in Eagle River, hands going up. Go ahead. Put your hand up if you want to get right with God for the first time or recommit. Awesome. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this prayer with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill and touch each and every one. Feel and touch each and every one right now. In Jesus' name. Be filled, be free. Break off poverty. Break off lack. Break off depression and anxiety and fear. All darkness go. The light of the world has been brought into your heart through your confession, through your repentance. So Lord, thank you. Heal, touch, and fill each and every one. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you put your hands together for God? Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.